You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. So today we're actually going to have two readings. Um, The first reading is from Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. I'll give you a second. Um, While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses, and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. And the second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Matt, and to everyone here at Evanston Bible Fellowship, it's always my privilege to be back here. So many great memories here in Evanston and with Evanston Bible Fellowship. I want to thank you for 23 years that this church has supported us in our ministry in Central Asia. It's been quite a history, quite a journey for myself that started back in 1990, over 30 years ago. Um, The decades just seem to fly by. Uh, When the Lord got a hold of my life, because two guys came up to my dorm room, knocked on the door and said, can we show you a short presentation that explains the main message of the Bible? And I thought, well, I call myself a Christian. I think I'm a pretty smart guy going to Northwestern. I probably should know the central message of the Bible. Okay, that's probably something I should have in my toolbox. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm like, okay. And so they shared the gospel with me. And it was revolutionary. 
Because it wasn't just new information, it was something that the Holy Spirit took and transformed my life and set me on a journey following Christ that, that continues today into Central Asia. And uh, those guys were part of a ministry there on campus called the Navigators. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. But they were started uh, close to a century ago by a man, a very passionate disciple maker named Dawson Trotman. I've only ever listened to one message by Dawson Trotman. This is when I was at uh, Northwestern. Our leader put on this tape of, of Dawson speaking. I think it was back in the 50s, one of the first tapes uh, you know, that w w was made and I think one of the only messages recorded by Dawson. And I remember learning of his passion for the Bible, for scripture memory, for making disciples. And part of the message he said, you know, I've made a commitment years ago to share the gospel with one new person every day. And I remember this time where I came back from work, it was 11 o'clock at night, and I remembered I hadn't shared the gospel. So I went out on the streets and I searched up and down until I finally stopped a car and found someone to share the gospel. And uh, I thought, wow, that's amazing. All right, I'm going to do this. You know. I'm going I'm to stir myself up and I'm going to make this commitment. Well, it didn't take too many days uh, for, for me to realize that wasn't a commitment for me to make. <laughs> and I kind of dismissed Dawson Trotman as I'm like, I'm not sure that's, you know, he's really, really the guy I want to be learning from. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience in your life where you've known Christians whose passion and zeal for the Lord causes them to obtain great heights in discipline or in achievements. And you think, I I'm going to go after that, that discipline or that achievement. And then when you don't reach it and you, you fail, you give up. But what can also happen at that moment, the danger at that moment, is that you also give up in your passion for Jesus because you didn't obtain to the, the height of their discipline. And that, that, that happened with me, with Dawson Trotman. You know, I saw something where his passion for Jesus led him to make this great commitment in his life. And because I didn't want to imitate that commitment, mimic his discipline, I ignored his passion for the Lord. I think we can see that in this passage that we read today about Phineas. I don't know if you were paying attention and caught all those details, um, but I think all of us, rightly so as Christians, would be skeptical that we should mimic Phineas's actions. I certainly hope that you do not mimic Phineas's actions. But what I think we need to see today is that his passion for the Lord his zeal, the jealousy that burned in his heart is something that should burn in all of our hearts all the time. That as priests of God, we should have a jealous passion for the name of Jesus. I think that's going to look differently for every single person in this room. But that passion should burn in our hearts. And so please pray one more time because that is more than anything, what I want to see happen in the next, what, 25 minutes that we have together, that God would use something in these words I say and in the words that you read from Scripture to stir up that passion. Lord God Almighty, I, I just ask again that you would do this. Do this in our hearts, that we would not 
miss out on the type of life that you want to have for us, that we would have a jealous passion for the name of Jesus in whatever we do, whatever career we pursue, whatever our family looks like, wherever we might live with our neighbors, in our comings and our goings and our risings and our sleepings, that our hearts would beat with a zeal for you and your name. We ask by the name of Jesus, that you, by the Holy Spirit, would come and plant this in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So my first point is that being jealous for the name of Jesus is the heart of being a priest. I had the, the verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 read because there it, is, it declares that we are royal priesthood. That is who we are. That is our identity as a follower of Jesus. If you call yourself a Christian, if you have made a commitment to follow Jesus, the word of God declares upon you that you are a royal priest. It's not something we get to choose or change or qualify. It is who we are is our identity. All we can do is understand it and live up into it. And that's what the sermon is all about. What does it mean for us to be a priest of God? What does that look like? Perhaps you've never considered yourself, especially as followers of the Reformation or of Protestants. You know, wait a second, we're, we're not priests. <laughs> that's something that the Catholics have. We're pastors, we're preachers. Uh, but we need to think about what does it mean that we are a priest of God? That all of us are priests of God. This isn't some special religious class or uh, career choice. This is something that is part of our identity. Numbers chapter 25, verse 11, we read about Phineas. Because I think he, he is the starting of, of uh, the hero of this priest, priestly line that we come from. And it says, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath, this is God speaking, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. So Eleazar became the hero the beginning of this priestly line, we don't know a lot about him from the Bible. This verse is probably one of the best descriptions we have of him. And what do we see? He was jealous with my jealousy, says God. This is what I see in Phineas. God is jealous. And that jealousy burned in the heart of Phineas. And God commends him for this. Okay? We are simply to reflect the Lord's own jealousy in our lives. Do you know what God is jealous for? Do you know what God is passionate about? What burns in his soul? That could be kind of scary for us. Especially when we, we see what Phineas did in our cultural milieu of this day, um, it's hard to imitate or to want to imitate the actions of Phineas. In fact, I would say for a Christian, it is inappropriate to imitate the actions of Phineas. And yet here we read the story 
of who he is. Because we hold him up as someone who has passion and zeal for the Lord. Well, is that valid? Well, if I had a few hours, I might dive into a Bible study of why I think it's valid. One, to read numbers and to look at the life of Phineas and apply it to our lives. And yet at the same time, to say things like, we shouldn't imitate his actions. So this is a call for you to deeper study because I don't have two or three hours, <laughs> even if you gave me permission. Uh, we need to move on. But this is something that you should be studying on your own. I hope it's a principle you have in your lives that Sunday morning sermon is not the only time that you hear the word of God. It's not the only time you dig into the word of God. This is the purpose of ethos groups. This is the purpose of personal Bible study. We need to understand Numbers 25 in the context of the Bible, in the flow of the history of salvation. So you've got your homework for this week. How is it that, that we can lift up Phineas as a hero and yet rightly dismiss his action as something that we should imitate? You see, Phineas was the beginning of the priest, not the beginning, but was held up as a hero of the priestly line, but he was a foreshadow of Jesus. And we are followers of Jesus. We follow the law of Jesus in our lives. And we look to him. He was the perfect example of someone who had the zeal of God, the jealousy of God burning in his heart. You remember the story of the man with the withered hand? Jealousy for the name of God caused Jesus to stand up on a Sabbath to see that man and to say, I know that it is God's will to save life, not to destroy it. I know that it is God's will to do good and not to harm. And so I am going to heal this man with a withered hand, knowing that it would bring the condemnation of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, who looked down on him and accused him. How dare you heal on the Sabbath? And what was Jesus' response? It says in the scriptures, he burned with anger. He burned with anger. Jesus' anger was always a righteous anger because he was God. Just like in this story, is it right in the 21st century to affirm that God's anger and wrath at the people of Israel was a righteous anger? Was it right for God to say to Moses, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord? Yes, it was right. God is righteous in his anger. Was Phineas right at that time, in that context, at that moment, to stand up and to take a spear and to pierce these two people fornicating before the people? Yes, he was right. Is it right for us as followers of Jesus that we should ever do physical harm to others? No, because we follow Jesus. He is our high priest. And we see in him the model of someone who came to serve to the point that he was willing to die on the cross at his own personal expense, to love, even to love his enemies, 
even when his enemies were, call, were calling for his crucifixion. So this is what we see. It is the beauty of the jealousy of God burning in the heart of Jesus that we should emulate. I want to show you a picture of a friend of mine here. Uh, his name is Hussan. He, I actually met him in the previous millennium, one of those people that get to get talk about my life in the previous millennium, and that's uh, you can kind of see the fuzziness of this picture kind of comes from that time. And um, I remember distinctly in 2000, the year 2000, when I shared my testimony with Hussan and I shared the gospel with him, telling him that Jesus died for his sins. This is in the middle of a bazaar, a market in, in uh, Tashkent, Uzbekistan. And he was so captivated by the gospel that he said, I want to commit my life to follow Jesus as well. Hussan, like everyone else in Central Asia, was a Muslim, grew up as a Muslim, but he saw in Jesus something so beautiful that he wanted to commit his life to follow him. Now, 21 years on, I can't say that Hussan's life has been a perfect example of, uh, you know, a, a person totally dedicated to following Jesus and passionate every moment. But when I look back at the 21 years that he has followed Christ, I can affirm that his life was most alive was most beautiful when I saw that passion for Jesus shining through it. The passion for Jesus that, that took him to share the gospel with his fellow students at the university, that took him to take the gospel back to his remote village where he was the only Christian, where there was no church, and to share the gospel with his family and friends. And when I see those moments in his life that he did that and that he continues to do that, those are the parts of his life that I see are most shine forth as full of vibrancy. Look at your own life. Do you feel most alive, most vibrant when your zeal for the Lord is asleep or when it burns brightly? So how do we stir up this passion for God, this jealousy for Jesus? First of all, we need to spend time with him. I'm not going to give you a specific regimen or discipline of Bible reading, of scripture memory. All those things are great. And, and I, I believe you, you know about them. I just ask you this question. We are to reflect the jealousy of God that he has for his own name in our lives. Do you know what God is passionate about? And are you asking God to create a passion inside of you for those same things? So the second point we're going to dive into is proclaiming forgiveness in the blood of Jesus is the message of the priest. In Numbers 25, verse 12 and 13, we read, Therefore say, Behold, I give to him, that is Phineas, my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. This is what priests did. They made atonement to make two one, to reconcile two parties. They're passionate for God. 
They have a jealous uh, zeal for him, but they also love people. They care about the state of people, and they desire to bring the two together to make atonement. In the Old Testament, this is where the, the whole sacrificial system of bringing sheep and goats and, and um, sacrificing, slaughtering them before the Lord, that was the role of the priest, to make atonement. Well, we as Christians, again, going back to explaining how do we apply this as a priest of God, we are a royal priesthood. We are called to make atonement. We don't do that by bringing sheep and goats. How do we do that? We do that by proclaiming the message of forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. We too are called to love God and to love people and to desire to bring them together through this message, through the proclamation of the gospel. So Hussan is trying to do this in his village. I think I have another picture here of Hussan with his four kids. Now his wife is not in this picture. He actually sent me this picture on uh, Friday of this week, so this is a very current picture. Uh, he now leads a house church in his village called Poiradic. He is a priest for his relatives, for his neighbors. It has not been an easy life. When he was 18, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. It was pretty much rampant in his family and his village. He actually lost his twin sister when he was 20 years old. She died of tuberculosis. He, he has fought with it for years. He, he's a trained teacher, but because he's never been able to overcome tuberculosis, he hasn't been able to work as a teacher. So now he and his family literally pick cotton in order to make a living. And it is a very difficult life. But one of the things I constantly try to remind him of is that in God's kingdom, he has a privileged existence of being a light in a very dark place. He is living in a village. He doesn't, there are no other Christians. Unfortunately, people haven't responded to the gospel as he has shared it. He and his family have a house church there. They know of some other Christians in surrounding villages, and there's a town, perhaps you've heard it, ancient town, a Samarkand, about an hour away where he can go and meet with other uh, believers. But in his village, he has the privilege of being a priest before all those thousands of people. How about you? Do you live in a dark place? If so, always remember that you have the privilege of being a priest, to being the light of God in that place. It's all about what you value. For a guy like Hussan, is, is what, what's most valuable, him having a, a amazing career, making lots of money, having a big house. Well, then his life, yeah, it's pretty miserable. Not much there. But what about what the Apostle Paul said? It's my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not yet known. If that's what you really value, 
Every single one of you have incredible opportunities because you are all surrounded by so many people who do not yet know Christ. And you have the privilege of being the priest of God to them. Just like Hussan has it. You know, here I am 22 years on. Do you want to support me as a missionary? Well, well if so, then you support this value that, that sharing the gospel with, with people like Hussan can lead them to social isolation. Because it means they're swimming against the current of all the other Muslims in his family and in his, in his friends and in the village. But is it worth it? Is it a privilege for him? to share that light in that village? That is the heart of a priest. That is what Phineas had before God, where he said, my jealousy for God is greater than just fitting in with these people. What, what were the people doing? Can you imagine? The chiefs of the people are hanging are hanging before the crowd. And here's this guy, you know, oh, I'm out on a date Friday night, you know? Bring home my girlfriend. I mean, how oblivious do you have to be that the anger and wrath of God is being poured out on Israel? 21st century America, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, every country in the world, the vast majority of people are just totally oblivious to the anger and wrath of God being poured out. That is the reality we're living in. And we are priests of God before them. So how do you stir up this passion? Meditate on who God is and what he's passionate about. But then secondly, meditate on the state of people without Jesus in their life, outside of the kingdom. I just want to read three texts because I feel like this this is the message that just constantly we have to put before our eyes because our culture is not going to give it. And depending on your church experience, you might not get it at church as well. And that is the reality that we read of this passage, that the anger and wrath of God is real. We read about it in Numbers 25. We read about it from the lips of Jesus, and we read about it from Paul. Numbers chapter 25, so Israel yoked himself to Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. From the lips of Jesus, Luke chapter 13, or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And from the pen of Paul, the apostle, Romans chapter 2. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Our love for people should motivate us to be priests that reach out to them. The third point is that creating access to God's word is the service of the priest. 
This is one of the core functions that, that I, I have as a missionary in Central Asia. How do I get the Bible, the Word of God, the very message that God wants to communicate to people, to them so that they can access it? And by access it, I don't mean just get a hold of it, but understand it and embrace it. And I thought, well, yeah, I want to preach on this, but, but is there any example in this in the Bible? And I came upon these texts, and this is one reason that led me to think about what it means to be a priest, because I think this was one of the core functions of a priest, is to make the Word of God accessible to all people. In Numbers chapter 35, verse 7, it says, All the cities that you give to the Levites shall be 48 with their pasture lands. If you remember, the Levites were not given land in Israel. But they were supposed to live in certain designated cities, as it says here, 48 to them. Uh, there's a map, which on these screens is going to be just way too small for you to see anything. Uh, but just take my word for it. These are Levitical cities. There's 48 of them on this map. And uh, this is a map of Israel. And, and basically what you can tell from this map is they're spread throughout all the country. And I think the point was, I want some priests. Now, all priests were Levites because all priests came through the line of Aaron and, and they were Levites. Not all Levites were priests because there are other family trees going on there. But I think God wanted these Levites to be spread throughout all <clears throat> the land and some of those Levites were to be priests. Because what was the role of a priest in Malachi chapter 2 verse 7? It says, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So priests were meant to explain the word of God. We see this beautifully in the life of Ezra when the people were coming back from exile. Again, I know I'm just like covering a crazy amount of material here, so uh, more good things for you to study on your own this next week. But uh, when Ezra came back, in Nehemiah we read that he got all the people together and they read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And then a few verses later, it says, the people rose up and they ate and drank and they were filled with great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. A beautiful picture of people who for years, decades, hadn't understood the word. And here, the priests were standing up and explaining it to them. And so they were filled with such joy. Can you imagine what that would be like in your extended families, in, in your neighborhood, in your dorm, just some area where just if they understood what the core message of the Bible really was, the rejoicing that would come, that is our service to them, to make the word of God accessible to them. When we went to Tajikistan, there was really uh, the, the translation of the Bible. It was this ancient Persian translation. It was beautiful. Everyone who read it said, oh, it's so beautiful. But no one understood it because it was so different from the spoken language that they couldn't understand it. So a lot of our work that we've been doing is, is taking that really good translation of the Bible in ancient Persian and, and 
uh, translating again into the local dialect, recording it, because they don't read anyway, so even if <clears throat> it was in words they understood, they don't desire to read it, put it into audio files that we can then put on MP3 players or on phones so they could spread it among people. And of course, now you can put it all on the internet, and there it is. Well, you could say, okay, well, your job's done. It's accessible. It's on the internet, right? That's kind of like here in America, you know. Anyone who really wants to know about who Jesus is, it's all there for them. It's all accessible to anyone who has a phone or computer. But again, I would say accessibility is more about being understood. It's interesting if you read the, the parable of the sower, the seed that fell on the path, the reason that the Satan comes and steals that word away from their hearts is because they hear it, but don't understand it. That's what it says. They hear it, but they don't understand it. And so Satan comes and steals that word. There are people in your life that only you can make the word of God understandable to them. They're not going to go to the internet on their own and, and find it out. As a priest, we are called to make the word accessible to them. We are called to spread ourselves out, to find those pockets where people don't understand the word and find some way to explain it to them. So in conclusion... I have two things I would ask you to apply. We are to reflect God's own jealousy for, him, for his name, for his glory. So this next week, what is something you will do to increase your passion for Jesus? If you have a phone or if you have something you're writing on, I would encourage you to get it out and get it ready because I want you to write something down might be on your phone. It might be on a piece of paper. Uh, if you have a perfect memory, I suppose you can say, I'm just going to remember it. Okay, I'll trust you. But I encourage you to write it down because I know <laughs> that really helps me. The second question is, okay, if I increase my passion for Jesus, how will you express that passion for Jesus this week? I'm not going to ask you for some great, you know, accomplishment of discipline. I'm just asking you to ask yourself that question and to make a commitment to that. So we're going to pray, and in the midst of the prayer, I'm going to give you a little time to write something down as the Holy Spirit leads you. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I thank you for these words. I thank you for the time that we've had to share, and there's just so much here, God. But really what, what we need right now is our next step. What is that for us this week? God, this first question, what is something I'm going to do this next week to stir up my passion for Jesus? Would you, by your Holy Spirit, lead each person in this room now to think of something they're going to do this week to stir up that passion? And Lord, as that passion comes as our hearts burn with the jealousy that you have for your own name, how do you want us to express that this week? What is it that you would want us to do this week to express the passion we have for Jesus?
through this God, bring light to this dark world. Bring your kingdom. May your kingdom come. May your will on earth uh, be done as it is in heaven. That's what we want to see as we step out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.